The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, it was not a good start to 2024 for the grain markets or hogs. Cattle, though, had a really strong day to the upside as we kicked off trade on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Welcome into Market Talk. Great to be back with you here once again. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, as we are diving into a new year New markets and uh, not a great start to the year of 2024 as we found a lot of selling pressure. The algos really kind of jumped onto the momentum, which was to the downside early in grains and oil seeds and in the hog market on Tuesday. And we found pressure really across the board. We're going to talk about it coming up here on the program today. Jacob Burks with agmarket.net going to help us kick off the new year and provide market analysis uh, coming up here after the bottom of the hour we'll have him join us in segment three and four today to discuss what he's seeing here in these markets uh, we're going to be uh, no doubt i'm sure talking a little bit of basis um, did we see any farmers selling impact the market here early on the week i know traditionally we can see those bin doors open up a little bit plus with good weather that could also be a driver here this week maybe lead to some selling and some basis pressure across the country. Uh, I'm going to ask Jacob about that, and we're going to dive into what uh, drove these markets mainly to the downside as we kicked off the week. So again, we'll do that coming up later in the show. Now, speaking of weather, good weather this week in the U.S. can maybe lead to some movement of grain out of storage. Well, how are things shaping up not only this week, but next week in the U.S.? Potential of a uh, winter storm, possibly. Also, what's the latest in South America, Brazil, and Argentina, to be exact? We're going to talk weather with Eric Snodgrass from Nutrient Ag Solutions coming up here in segment two and get his thoughts, uh, what he is seeing with the latest forecasts and model runs. And uh, so looking forward to a conversation with Eric Snodgrass coming up here in just a little bit. First off, though, let's uh, take a look at the markets and get a little bit of analysis from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Arlen joined us around midday on Tuesday to provide his thoughts of what he's seeing in this market trade action, including um, some of the economic news that we're anticipating to get here this week as we kick off the new year. We touch on the good day in cattle, and we kick it off with a look at the grains, including soybeans, and watching weather in South America, of course, as um, the big driver here, it seems like, in these markets, continuing to be the big driver in these markets. Well, here's what Arlen Suderman from Stonex had to say about it in today's midday commentary. It is, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners and to you as well, and hope it's a prosperous year and a better year for the commodities uh, than what we saw in 2023, and I think it will be, but we're starting off on a negative uh, uh, 
first day of trading to start the year. You mentioned the rains in Brazil. They got some good rains. Uh, some places in Brazil, I saw up to seven and three quarter inches over the last four days and more rains coming. In fact, a pretty wet pattern in the dry areas here over the next 10 days or so maybe even in the next two weeks. It does look like it'll dry out after that, uh, but for now it's all about rain makes grain. The market largely ignoring our Stonex commodity, our Stonex uh, Brazil, <clears throat> excuse me, Stonex Brazil production estimate that dropped the soybean crop in Brazil to 152.8 million metric tons. That's down 9.1 million metric tons from last month. The corn t- crop, total corn, also down by uh, down to 124.6 million metric tons. That's down about 1.4 from the previous month. Overall expectations, though, that it's going to be enough of, to supply the world at this point without necessitating rationing U.S. supplies with higher prices. That's the way the market's interpreting it. And so we're selling off with a strong dollar. The dollar surging higher as uh, Treasury yields were going higher this morning, and that's generally creating headwinds for the broader commodity complex. Arlen, I know we'll get some economic news out uh, here this week as well, some minutes from the Federal Reserve. Can you talk about what impact that might have on the market trade? Yeah, the December meeting was considered by the market, or perceived by the market, to be a pivot in policy. So we'll be looking to the minutes of that meeting that will be released tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, to kind of either confirm that or change the narrative once again. Uh, do the minutes reflect that they're now going toward more of an easy money policy, or do they fl- uh, reflect that their intention is to stay on more of a tightening policy? That'll be the key thing that uh, the markets will be looking for from that. Uh, We've seen the stock market generally push higher to new highs for the move uh, because of expectations that the Fed's going to pivot. The market is trading over 80% or roughly 80% odds that we will see our first rate cut in March with up to 150 basis points of cuts by the end of this year. I personally think that's much too optimistic. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we were actually looking at talk of rate hikes here at some point this year. Um, But for now, the market is expecting those big rate cuts. We'll see if those minutes do anything to throw cold water on those uh, bullish fires. Arlen, how about in the protein sector, uh, some good gains in the cattle trade to start off the uh, new trading year. Talk about what you're seeing driving uh, futures higher there. Yeah, as we look at that quarterly hogs and pigs report that came out just around the holidays, uh, showing ample supplies is, is, yes, we are shrinking the breeding herd, but we're more than compensating for that in pigs per litter as we're figuring out our labor problems, taking care of those herds, and reducing disease presence as a result. We're, we're really pushing those pigs per litter, and that's increasing the supply and providing adequate supply to meet our demand with Prop 12 going into effect, fully into effect in California now as well, increasing the supply in the other 49 states. Cattle market's a different story. We're still tight there. We saw a lot of weakness in the fourth quarter of the year um, as we pulled cattle forward. Now we're looking at the big picture, the longer-term picture, and we saw lighter slaughter in last week than what we anticipated. So we're seeing the money come back into the market, triggering the technical buy stops on the chart and some solid gains in the cattle market today. 
And once again, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on the day Tuesday. We do appreciate his time and thoughts, analysis of the market trade action. Again, a uh, kind of a rough day to kick off the new year on Tuesday with uh, trade under pressure here uh, across the grains and oil seeds, as I mentioned, just uh just not a not a great start to the year, honestly. Uh, a lot of folks probably going to be taking a look at that and get, so just kind of going, ugh, you know, why? Why couldn't we get a good New Year's present here in these markets? We're going to talk more about it and get some more thoughts from Jacob Burks with AgMarket.net. He'll join us coming up here in segment three and four today. Uh, again, I'm really curious to talk some basis uh, with Jacob and how that's looking here as we start off the new year. Did you hear of a lot of farmers selling and movement of grain on the first uh, full marketing day of the year? We'll touch on South American weather, I'm sure, and that's impact on the market and more. And I'd love his thoughts in cattle here. Again, a good start to the week in the cattle trade. So all that more coming up with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net here in just a little bit, a little bit after the bottom of the hour. First up, though, we want to get a more in-depth look at the weather forecast for the week ahead. How are things shaping up not only in the U.S., but in South America, too? Eric Stongrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions. He joins us on the way after this, back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkegg.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. Well, as we officially have flipped that calendar over to 2024, what's the weather outlook shaping up to be here for the month of January? I know we will discuss South America and the U.S., maybe some winter weather perhaps on the way. We're going to talk about all that and more joining us for a weather conversation today. We welcome in and say Happy New Year to Eric Stongrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Eric, good to catch up with you. Hope you had a great holiday season and uh, you know what I know for me and probably you and a lot of folks pretty mild holiday season uh, for Christmas and into the new year Eric yeah I mean December for much of the upper midwest and northern plains finished as one of the warmest on record in fact numerous climate reporting districts uh, starting from Illinois to Iowa to Minnesota Wisconsin parts of the Dakotas it was the warmest December on record and that's typical of El Nino there were certainly El Nino flavors to this but it was helped out by the fact that it was really cold in Russia Greenland and Alaska. If you got cold in those spots you, you can't get it into the central part of North America so we missed out on it. Now, there were some places that had some good Christmas snow, right? Came out of parts of Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, pretty hard with a good punch there of, of some snow right there on Christmas Day, causing major problems. And then the days following that was just nonstop blizzard warnings and such a mess. Uh, but uh, here we are looking at the stats, and that was about the only significant event we had the whole month. Yeah, it, the, that was outside of that. There wasn't much else to really talk about in the month of December. We're going to circle back to the U.S., though, because we, we potentially have some stuff in front of us next week that I want to talk about. But I know a lot of folks, uh, a lot of the focus we had in the month of December was on South America. A lot of folks are watching what's been happening in Brazil and Argentina and how it you know translates into the markets and more. 
So, so what's the latest you're seeing? Let's start in Brazil. How are things looking there as we start the month of January? All right. How about just 10 seconds of recap, right? Super heavy rains in September. Rain shut off in October, November, most of December for much of the center west region. So we had places up there that were the driest we've seen, uh, at least going back to the late 1970s. In some data sets, it goes all the way back to 1942 before you can find a drier year than this year for that center west area. It got really hot. We know that the crop really slowed down in its planting progress. A lot of it got replanted and then planted late. So it's quite vulnerable. The crop calendars all shifted around because of that. So where are we now? Well, big things have shifted around. El Nino plateaued. We've got the MGO running over the top of it. And they're finally starting to draw in some tropical moisture into the Cerrado, into Mato Grosso. And that's why the forecast over the next 10 to 15 days, some spots are expecting to get eight to, there might be a couple of places that pick up a foot of rainfall. Now you look at that and maybe based on the way the markets are trading today, if they're trading weather, I don't know if they are, but you know, it was a major downturn early in the day. A lot of folks are saying, oh, it's because of the weather, because of the weather. And I would just make this statement about it. This isn't a good situation. What they need is about four inches of rain. They need that you know, every 10 days to make sure the crop finishes well and they can get into harvested. If they get too much rain in the center west area, then now we're getting into a problem where it's too wet to harvest the beans. They're already vulnerable because of the stresses from heat and drought, which means the stand quality is probably not good. All of the success of rain could actually do two things. One, cause major problems with the, the quality of the bean that's there. And two, as they start to work toward harvest, make it so that it's difficult to get in the fields. So I don't see this as uh, like a, a big blessing of rain that comes through and fixes all the problems. I think it's going to be, I think it's a bigger issue than, than what we're giving it credit for. And here's the last thing. What if it stays like this? What mm -hmm. if it's, the models are wrong and it's not just wet for uh, 10 to 15 days, but it's wet for, for 30. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to add to the fact that the facts I just share with you and make that Saprina crop going even later. So I look at all of that and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look for that silver lining in all of it. There's going to be some places that will absolutely do better in this, but it'll probably be the center and south areas rather than the northern growing areas uh, doing better. So, yeah, big market adjustment because of it. And I know this, I've had a few people bring this up to me and I'm no agronomist, you know, but obviously between you think about North America versus South America, Brazil, the different soil types they have mm -hmm. in Brazil and how the rain affects the different soil types, et cetera, and how much more or less they need. I know that's all going to be taken into consideration here, but I, I would agree with you. I, I feel like this is a, a very critical next couple of weeks in terms of how this weather pattern goes, what it does for the timing of the Safrina corn crop, et cetera, Eric. It's very important. It is. And I can make a comment on this. And just to say, and I don't want to make this too blanket of a statement here, but if you have that much dryness for so long in certain areas, doesn't matter if your soil's sandy or if it's, you know, this beautiful ground I got out here in Illinois, it, it does become pan hard, which means some of the new heavy rains First thing they do is run off rather than soak in. So I still think that's going to be an issue, but certainly, um, you know, some of this moisture will get into the ground and help some things out. But mm -hmm. I don't know, man, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic about it. And uh, it's going to be a tough forecast going forward for the middle to end of January for Southern, uh, for, for Brazil. How about Argentina? We know they've been doing pretty good. They've gotten rains. They've largely been catching up from their recent drought. Things still looking pretty good down there? 
Yeah, it really is. In fact, I just looked at some of the newest NDVI data, whereas last year they set the new 20-year low in NDVI values. This year they're well above them, the top 25% in terms of NDVI. So things are looking much better there. Drought's been broken. A lack of real significant heat. In fact, at times it's even been a little cooler than average. So as they finish up, you know, they're planting now and start working their way into the season. I imagine most of those growers down there are seeing this year as possibly doubling up on last year. But remember, last year was half a normal. So it looks pretty good in Argentina. Okay. Let's bring it back home to the U.S. I've seen some early chatter and scuttlebutt weather models saying we could have a, a fairly big winter storm next week, Eric. Uh, what are you seeing? Uh, give it, give us the rundown here. What are the early weather models saying? What can you tell us for certain, if anything, here about a week out? Well, let me add a little context to it. Um, Right now, what I'd love to see is to stay pretty mild until the moisture comes through. And the reason for that is I want the soil temperatures to stay above freezing so that anything that comes through the Midwest gets soaked in. Because the reality is, is that our subsurface soil moisture, that root zone soil moisture across the Mississippi Valley is still low. Mississippi River is at four and a half feet below low stage this morning. And we need the moisture. Now, it makes for really mucky conditions, which is no good for livestock. But I'm thinking about later this year what it could do. So what we have is we have four, four potential systems working their way across the country in the next 10 days. First one is south. It's going through right now. The second one's coming into California later today into tomorrow. And that's going to be the first one that eventually gets to the east coast and dumps a bunch of snow up the east coast. Now, the one that most of the people in the Midwest are watching is one that follows that. It's next Monday. That one's supposed to come out maybe through Arizona, New Mexico, get into the panhandles, and then head straight toward the Ohio Valley. So that system puts snow from Colorado and Kansas through... Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, to Wisconsin, Michigan. And some of the forecast models have put down a lot of snow in that area, which means next Monday when we're talking, there'll be a pretty good chance that you will just start off asking how much more snow are we going to get out of this <laughs> should it be the way that it currently looks. Uh, now, this is just for the fun of it, but I'm going to give you this stat. But the reality is, is that if the forecast that was released today or the last couple of days, if they verify, there'll be parts of Kansas, um, Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana that will get more snow out of this system than they saw all of last winter. And the same could be said of the system before it that's going to go into parts of New England, because those were areas that last year didn't get the snow. All the snow last year was in the upper Midwest. It was in the Rocky Mountains of Sierra Nevada and the Cascades. So we had a grand total of nine inches of snow in Champaign-Urbana, where I live here uh, last year. And if uh, this next system verifies, as the GFS said today, we'll get a foot. <laughs> so the <laughs> reality is I want everyone to listen to me carefully here. We don't know. We do not know where the heavy snow bands are going to be. It could really transition a lot over the coming days because it's still six days away for this big system that's coming through the Midwest. Now five to six days away. So um, be careful what you consume on social media. There's a lot of folks out there that just post whatever they feel like posting weird snow liquid <laughs> ratio, you know, and they say it's going to be the end of everything. And, and, mm -hmm. um, and just remember that when all that hype builds up in your head and the actual event occurs, sometimes it's either a major letdown or, or you, you know, start charging at us meteorologists. But those of us that are sane in our forecasting know to tell you that a lot of things are going to change between now and this weekend. Just keep your eyes on the forecast and stay on your toes, and we'll watch it here over the next couple of days. Eric, before we wrap it up, anything else uh, you want to mention or anything else you're watching uh, around the world here this week? 
You know, I think one of the bigger things that'll be discussed between you and I and other folks for the next six months is El Nino has plateaued. It's it's there. Uh, it's not nearly as strong as earlier forecasts, but it's going to fade, I think, relatively quickly by the time we get towards spring. And if it fades quickly into summer, I, I can't believe I'm going to bring this up today. I'm getting kind of worried about next hurricane season. <laughs> okay. So I've now set myself up for nine months of worry uh, <laughs> on a hurricane season, but it's something to watch when El Nino's crash like this. It doesn't tend to be a bad thing for the Midwest, it tends to be drier for the cotton belt in summer. But man, if we get a big hurricane season going, um, that could be something really to talk about. So, hey, I, I just guaranteed that you're going to keep calling me back for the next nine months. And uh, so we'll <laughs> we'll go from there. We'll take it. We'll take it. Find more online, ag-wx.com. Eric Stongrass with Nutrien. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And once again, Eric Stongrass with Nutrien Ag Solutions. Find more, ag-wx.com. All right, up next, Jacob Burks with agmarket.net here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, on the first trading day of 2024, I wonder if some folks want to go back to 2023 in some of these uh, markets. Uh, down day in grains and oil seeds. Hogs had a rough one. Cattle, though, did trade their way higher on the session. Let's talk about what we saw on that first trading day of the new year and get some perspective and market analysis today from Jacob Burks with agmarket.net joining us on the program. Jacob, happy new year, buddy. Good to uh, talk with you again. Hope you had a great holiday season. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was a good holiday season. Had the kiddos back home. Didn't have a whole lot of uh, traveling to do. And so, yeah, it was fun. Uh, we didn't get a white Christmas, but we got a wet Christmas uh, which in our area, if you look on that drought monitor, a wet, a wet Christmas was was good. Uh, we had some uh, some some moisture that went into the ground. It felt like so. Uh, yeah, it was a good time and uh, ready to kick off the 2024. Just would like to have a redo maybe on uh, on the first trading day of the year. Yeah, kind of a, a redo. I think would be nice. Uh, it would be very welcome because I mean. It, it, grains especially just kind of became a sea of red after the open. Uh, I know we had a strong dollar to kick off the new year. I have to think that was a, a primary headwind, or at least the excuse we're being given for a headwind here maybe in the grains. But uh, just kind of a down day. Beans, Chicago wheat kind of led us to the downside. I mean, big picture, let's, let's take a wide angle here first. Was there any one thing outside of maybe a dollar and just ample supplies combined that uh, drove these markets lower on Tuesday. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I, I think the main factor, Jesse, was what we looked at at the end of last week, coming through a three-day weekend. Uh, when you're in, you know, when you're in the middle of a, a weather market, uh, whether we like it or not, we, you know, not because it's raining in Southwest Wisconsin, but but why it's uh, potentially had the potential for rain uh, in in the the biggest part of uh, the biggest producer of soybeans in in, in the Mato Grosso area of Brazil. And so that was anticipated. If you saw like 
looking into the March uh, soybean contract going into Thursday and Friday, we started to see that pullback happen. We started to see the little bit, you know, the potential of that that rain event happening, and we did start to pull back a little bit. And you, you know, we confirmed the rains over the weekend. Uh, and in you know, anticipation this morning, you know, no overnight markets. So you, you anticipated seeing a, a pretty heavy move lower, ended up gapping lower and moved lower in the soybeans. And uh, I know you were busy all morning fixing stuff at home, but uh, the <laughs> markets actually traded in a funny, unique way where uh, you know, we st started with the bean market, then the corn market fell off. And then later in the day, the wheat market fell off. So it was a, it was a gradual move. And so a lot of that kind of felt like it was some fun money, fun potential, or potentially some fun money coming in and out of that marketplace. Well, and you're right. I was busy trying to fix a heater here at, at our house, so I was a little disconnected from the markets. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, kind of the, the disconnectedness uh, to start the new year at some of those markets. But you mentioned the funds and some of that fund money, and I feel like we talked about that a lot last year and in 2022, really since COVID. I think we've talked a lot about the funds and how they're playing such a huge role in commodities. And one has to wonder with this calendar flipping to 2024, we're going to see a lot of funds get out of commodities, move to stocks. I, I, there's a lot of folks who are, are asking that question right now, Jacob. Man, Jesse, if we uh, if we lose any more, it's going to be, you know, there's be some historical times. What we've seen in the index funds, and the index funds are your long only funds. They're always buying. It's an inflationary hedge. Well, when you start uh, a heavy deflationary year and you've cut the deflation all year long, those funds are going away. There's not a lot of optimism that they have that we're going to see this big move up in the commodity uh, position. Uh, I think in 2022, July was uh, somewhere in that area was our high of index fund involvement, like 1.5 million contracts. Now we're down to like 800,000. So that's a significant withdrawal from the, the the grain complex. That's that's I shouldn't say grain complex. That's the ag complex that, that we're mm -hmm. talking. And so that's uh, that's something that's that's withdrawn from the marketplace. Now, potentially, if we see them start, uh, uh, you know, seeing inflation move higher, if we cut rates too fast, how long that would take, I don't know. Uh, but but the, the the fund community is, is is a group that we need as producers to help take that other side of the trade to to, to help uh, you know hopefully be the the long the long owner of the of the commodities and, and uh, it's an inflationary hedge. Now the the managed money group uh, is what looks like we saw come in here today and, and see some pressure. Uh, you've start, you've seen them take their 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 corn position down to like 177,000 contracts. Now they're short. Uh, this is the smallest uh, as of Friday's report for last Tuesday. The smallest bean position we've had for a long time, uh, as far as the long position. So we we we, we sold that off pretty heavy uh, in the last couple of weeks. So yes, uh, uh, are they going to they're going to come? What's the incentive right now? We've seen a big move up. You've seen 15.8 percent uh, stocks to use in the in the in the corn. Uh, we, you know, the beans had a story. Now we're starting to see rain. I don't know what it is that gets them back. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe all boiling towards a potential uh, surprise in the January 12th report. I mean, this is kind of almost like you're crossing your fingers. You talk about doing a redo or going back to 2023. Uh, there's no way I'm trying to say that this is like last year. But when we walked into the first day of the trade last year in July in January 23, that was the best day to sell corn, except for maybe one day or two days uh, in the middle of July. Uh, I'm not anticipating that happen, but we can see these markets that don't have those seasonal, you know, spring rallies. And, and uh, you know, it, it makes it sets off a, a kind of a bad taste in your mouth as you walk in the first part of the year here. 
let's talk a little more specifically on this corn market uh traditionally and you brought up you know last year it was probably the best day to sell corn that first trading day of the year this year in 2024 not so much uh, but traditionally this first week of the year we could see if the weather's good which it is this year a lot of grain movement here new tax season you know it says okay time to move some stuff out of storage pay for some input costs for this coming growing season etc etc i just wonder though how many farmers are gonna want to move corn at these current price levels i saw some basis numbers regional basis numbers i mean seeing threes on the board high threes so i guess i'll ask you this realistically how much could we possibly see for movement in this corn market here this week are you hearing any indications i mean what is it going to take will farmers just throw in the towel because they're you know have to at this point in some cases or can they hold on a little longer uh, well, you know, there, there, there's a lot of guys that structure their operation to where they have some of these bills coming due here. They they kick the the can down the road. They defer payment. They they wait to deliver uh, whatever it takes to get into the new year for for whatever purpose that is in their operation. Uh, you try to warn against that. You try to have pricing done before that. You can defer payment without deferring pricing, and and so you you try to encourage that. But uh, inevitably, there's still some some guys that uh, that market the grain that way, uh, and, and so. Uh, in years in years past, it's been probably some. It's probably benefited them, uh, but this is the this is a year that anytime we see any type of upward movement, I think we'll get hit with some sales. I think there's been been some. Uh, uh, you know, we've been cash strong for a while, and, mm-hmm. and you and at, at some point you have to to look at how that uh, plays out into your operation, and, and there's going to be some cash needs along the way. And so I, I am afraid. I mean, even with guys that I have that I market with on a regular basis, there's there was some scuttlebutt today of like. Well, yeah, I'm probably going to end up selling some pretty quick. And it's like, okay, well, we we need to make sure that we're, you know, using, you know, the risk management tools uh, to avoid this type of market and this type of sell off. Because, yeah, dollar index is up, funds maybe uh, jumping in, but there's also going to be some farmer selling as we go through the first part of this month. That's just inevitable. And I think, uh, too, uh, soybeans as well, uh, watching the weather in South America before we see any sort of moves there and it feels like there's more corn that that's got to be sold versus soybeans at this point from the u.s farmer right jacob it, it yeah it does feel that way now that's kind of what the spreads are telling us too i mean uh the, the spreads are, are trying to entice you to hey hold on to it we don't want it now uh you know we'll kick it kick it down the road and you go and you start just looking specifically at the spreads and you start looking at what the march may's done we're at 13 and a quarter today Okay, now that's an equivalent of about six and a half, a little over six and a half uh, cents uh, a month. If you go back and look at what the December to March was, that'd be an equivalent of us being around that 20 to 21 cents uh, uh, spread. And so those are some, not, not historic, we've seen them wider, but those are some very, very, very good levels. We're not used to that. And a lot of that has to do with we're marketing now back into an interest rate environment. Uh, you know, the spread can handle that type of movement. So, you know, we encourage guys, hey, if you've got sales on, you know, you're not going to do it. Look at that spreads, pay attention to that. You know, we saw some really funny things going on to, today in, in, in the, some of the deferred contracts. Uh, we haven't had hardly any movement in the December 25 contract, and we're down seven cents today, gap lower. Uh, so there was some spread activity, and they're probably uh, uh, potentially buying December 24 and selling some, some D25. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the spread went down, but the, we saw some activity out there and a very low volume. Don't get me wrong. This is not a this is not a, a huge <laughs> trade, but there was low volume, and we saw you know quite a bit come off of that uh, these twenty five contracts today. 
It's very interesting how that all kind of works. And, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see just how some of these spreads shake out here really throughout this week, Jacob. I think that's uh, this is going to be a big kind of tone-setting week here heading into the January report. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the the more we sell off in, into that January report, uh, you, you know, could make some surprises. I mean, the, the, when you move early and move before a big report and not, it's not choppy, uh, if you make a big movement, then it, it does set things up for, well, the potential surprise the other direction because, you know, the report is going to tell us what the final yield number is. It's going to tell us what our final production number is. Uh, there'll be some adjustments on the demand side, but I think that's what everybody's really uh, anticipating. Uh, that'll also tell us the, the, D, the, the December stock numbers. So, There'll be a lot on that report. There'll be a lot anticipating. I would uh, just because we're down here on the first day, we go down 25 cents. Uh, it doesn't uh, say that we're not going to see some choppiness. Uh, you know, there'll be some 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 things. But we did we did uh, did do some damage on some of the charts. If you look at uh, uh, the December, excuse me, the March corn chart, a long term trend line. We closed down below it here. Uh, you know, we'll need to get some pop back above that quickly to, to get some of the, uh, the the algos and some of the technicians to to buy it, to stay above that trend line. Uh, but, you know, we can get into the more of the technical stuff that we just saw some really big chart damage, whether it was in in, in hogs or in, uh, in, in beans today. Uh, just not a lot of support here. Well, once again, we are having a conversation with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net. We'll continue our convo coming up after the break. We will talk livestock. Again, a good day in cattle on Tuesday. Also trying to get a recap of some of the closing numbers. We'll get to all that on the way next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Jacob Burks from agmarket.net is our guest analyst here today on Market Talk as we continue our conversation. And let's go over to livestock, Jacob, and let's uh, let's talk cattle. Let, let's talk about something good and positive here on the first trading day of 2024. Uh, both live and feeder cattle, some strong triple-digit gains on the board, a good start to the year. I was a little... I was a little hesitant coming into 2024 here with this cattle market, wondering what would happen. It felt like the markets could be some somewhat uncertain, but seemed pretty certain they wanted to go to the upside on Tuesday. I just wonder if that could last. What's your thoughts on this cattle trade right now? I do. I, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, you got some long-term uh, support in the cattle. Uh, we, we've, we put in some technical uh, strength here as we went through some of the downward channels that we saw. If you go look at a, at a monthly chart and then go back to 2020, uh, 2014. And so there's, there's a lot of correlations. We've analogued that year, whether it's grain or cattle or whatever, we've, we've, we've referenced that area a lot. Uh, and what we've seen, you know, here recently is, is the support after a big cut uh, pullback in the cattle and feeder cattle contract. And if you look, we're kind of anticipating, uh, uh, you know, to, to follow that type of recovery and that could get up into the, you know, above the 50% retracement into that 62% retracement before you see some technical selling. Now I would say that the, you know, the live cattle in the last week, we saw some stronger cash markets. Uh, you've seen weights start to pull back and then you got some potential weather that's coming in to find, you know, winter may finally show up in some of the mm -hmm. plains that's going to cause a, a little bit of that, 
uh, you know, lack of gain. Uh, you know, you've got a short week this week for kill. So uh, the table was kind of set to see some optimism. It's still surprising anytime you see three and a half dollars higher in the fat cattle and, you know, almost four. At one point, we were four dollars and 20 cents higher in feeder. Those are good days. Those are surprising days. You don't expect that even in a good day. I know, too. Uh, we had that cattle on feed report right ahead of the holidays there. Didn't feel like anything massive jumped out of me. I know there was a couple surprising numbers with how things fell with some of the ranges, but largely it felt like more the same with that recent cattle on feed report, Jacob. I think the, the, the there's not a surprise out there that the inventory of cattle did did get a little bit bigger with some imports, did get a little bit bigger with some uh, you know, the, the, the fact that we're still putting heifers into the feedlot, uh, those numbers haven't started to regain uh, our herd, to start b building that herd. And so the secret's out there that they're not out there that we we, we don't have a lot of uh, fear in, in overproduction uh, at this point. It's just what can the demand do? Can we continue to sell here? Ample supplies of chicken, ample supplies of complementary products. Uh, the dollar index being up doesn't help as far as when we look at our export opportunities. Uh, but I would say that we know that the the, the numbers are going to be short in the beef beef production. We're not killing as many cows. Uh, they're going to have to start getting into the feedlot to to supplement that that beef production. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that if the demand can stay, you know, uh, even stay as strong as what it is now, just maintain uh, that this cattle market has an opportunity to go back up. I don't know that we're going to make new lows. The the reason we were rallying, uh, you know, in the last year. Uh, had a lot to do with inflation and a lot to do with people buying into the commodity complex. So it'll be a, a challenge to get up there and make new highs. It'll have to be something, you know, really strong. Uh, but but inevitably, I think the the, the strength in that livestock market uh, is kind of here to stay. And in terms of hogs, you know, just your last statement there, that strength in, in the livestock trade. I mean, hogs have been, uh, 2023 was an ugly year for hogs. One has to wonder, can this market find some support and rally here? I mean, what do you think in hogs? Are, have we found a bottom, I guess, in this hog market, Jacob? <laughs> if you had asked me this on Friday, I'd have said, you bet we can. It's got some good technical. We're down here at some supportive levels. But the way that we traded today was was ugly. It was it was down below that. Uh, we've seen cash fall off again. Uh, just the, the, you know, the, the hog and pigs numbers said, Hey, we have a lot of marketable pigs out there. Uh, and, you know, and I, I guess I can't explain why that, that product isn't, isn't going up with cattle. I mean, it, it trades its own financials mm -hmm. or its own fundamentals, but I, I would say that you, you look at the, uh, uh, at the dollar index being higher too. And we rely on that export market even, even greater than we do the beef. And so I think that had a little bit to, to, to weigh on it here. Uh, I think today is one of those days that we'll look back here and I think there'll be some correction coming, uh, but we did put a really big uh, uh, gut punch in that hog market here today. Sorry, uh, you know, not to not to throw the the big question at you and ask you if the bottom's in or not here in the I, I can avoid market. That pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> the heavy hitting questions to kick yeah. off a new year. Yeah. Jacob, uh, let's wrap it up. Anything final you got for us? Want to share or reiterate for folks today? Well, I, no, I, I think that you you continue to watch some of these outside markets here. Uh, I think when you look at energies. Uh, uh, you know, that's going to kind of lead the way on some of this, uh, the, the fund uh, community uh, as they miss, you know, remanage their money coming into to their investments for this year. So I, I just because we had a, a negative day here, I think that there can be a lot to change. I think there will be some choppiness as we go through this week. But I, I do feel I do feel like these are a good example of, of what the risk management 
and how that needs to look like on your operation. Uh, you know, whether whether you're using futures and options or whether you're using cash market, I mean, I think this is something that we're going to have to market grain and livestock different than what we've had to in the last couple of years. There's going to be more of a challenge. Well, if folks have questions as they navigate the markets, I know they can reach out to you and the team there at agmarket.net. Check out a lot of your intel. And uh, we're about a month away from your conference in Nashville, too, that I know I'm going to be there and uh, you guys are all going to be in town. So I know folks can get a lot of info on that and much more online, can't they, Jacob? Absolutely. Agmarket.net. The intel is just a, a good example of, of, of you know information uh, videos. Uh, that, that we get that we put out there kind of give you our philosophy and our thoughts and yeah for in the next month you can come out and hang out with jesse allen in nashville yeah uh the <laughs> invitation is open to everyone yeah. come on down and uh hang out just don't come over to my house the heat might not be working <laughs> it's so. it could be cold at jesse's <laughs> <laughs> jacob berg sagmarket.net always good to catch up with you my friend thanks for joining us today on market talk and we will catch up with you again soon uh thanks for having me jesse a lot of great perspectives and uh, good uh, food for thought from Jacob Burks with agmarket.net. Joining us here today on Market Talk. A few of the closes as we wrap up the show today. March corn was down seven and a half on Tuesday session, 463 and three quarters. July corn down six and a quarter, 487 to three quarters. January beans down 19 and a half. 1274 may beans down 26 and a quarter 1281 chicago wheat march down 21 and a quarter 606 and three quarters march kc wheat down 13 629 march spring wheat down eight and a half 715 february live cattle up 342 171.92 january feeders up 312 225 42 and february hogs down 265 65 32 we're out of time here on today's show coming up tomorrow mike zuzalo with global commodity analytics I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. We'll catch up with you tomorrow.